Today's podcast is brought to you by Dell Expert Network. Dell's professional services portfolio is evolving and expanding with the Dell Expert Network partnership in mind. These services include everything from the heavy lifting of a physical deployment to 24-7 security operation centers and even consulting and education services. Join the Dell Expert Network and leverage Dell's professional services portfolio to grow your business, expand your offerings, and spend your time where it's most valuable. To learn more, reach out to the services specialist today at sb.managed.services at dell.com. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. We got a special guest for you today, a person who has been in the in the IT and the MSP channel specifically for a long time. A lot of you, I know, uh, a lot of you MSPs have, have worked with this gentleman uh, through previous companies, and he's he's with a new company that we've actually been working with a lot uh, over the last year, year two. Um, and we're going to be talking about a wide range of issues uh, related to uh, cyber. You know, is it a good time to be in managed services? Is it going? You know, what's the future hold? Um, talking about a little bit about XDR. Talking about the talent gap that we've talked about. A lot of good topics. It's going to be really awesome. And um, I'd like to welcome to I think for the first time to the MSP Zone, Mr. Stephen Talent from Stellar Cyber. Stephen, welcome. Charles, great to be here. Um, you know, stoked to be working with MSP Alliance again. Uh, haven't done the podcast before, but uh, but definitely have been engaged with uh, with your organization, and I'm a big fan. So glad to be here. You, you say that you've been engaged with the MSP Alliance. Most people may not. Some people know, but your your face has been on the MSPAlliance.com website for like many many years. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that it may still be up there, but. Um, there's a picture of you and Ed Ferrara and uh, and the uh, and and some MSP members. I think the crew from uh, from Locknet and it's been up. It oh, jeez, that's like nine years, man. That's a that's a long time. I, I had you know no pro speed and a full head of hair back then. That's I'd love to see that picture. <laughs> <laughs> so so a lot of people, you know, you've been around. You, you've 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 made the circuit. You've you've got some serious pedigree in terms of you know companies that you've worked with, and and obviously all of them MSP or MSSP specific. Um, you're, you're now with Stellar Cyber, and, and you know um, it, it's a great. Great crew, Brian and, and the gang over there. Uh, you, you guys are, are definitely got a, a, a winning bench. What are what are you guys? You know what what brought you to them? I guess may, may a starting question. Well, I tell you, you know what, what I've been. I've, I've always stayed true to the service provider in my 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 experience in my past roles has always been around helping manage security service providers and manage service providers evolve and adapt their service offerings. And, you know, I'd had my eye, you know, obviously watching, you know, nine years at Fortinet, I was watching the, um, the the security services industry sort of changing over time from, you know, security asset management, um, red light, green light kind of stuff into into more, you know, evolving to, to, to mitigate the threats from nation state, uh, you know, attackers uh, and doing more around detection and response. 
Um, I think that, you know, Secure Service Edge and other things that are happening in the space are really exciting opportunities for MSSPs. And what drew me to Stellar Cyber is, uh, you know, I watched I watched different vendors go down the path of what I would call native XDR, which is, you know, their their product, their technology, and a lot of times their management. Um, and, and, I, and I saw open XDR um, and Stellar Cyber's sort of approach at enabling partners for a managed XDR solution. I saw open XDR as a, as a real opportunity uh, for service providers to be able to bring in um, the, the technologies that are in play in their customers' environments and to be able to basically expand their offerings, um, making them you know, uh, increasingly relevant in the industry, um, protecting their margins, and, and allowing them to grow their services revenue. So really excited to be here. We're, you know, hundred percent partner focused and, um, yeah, it's a great time to be in this space. So I think any, any managed service provider that's looking to add more security to what they're doing or expand their offerings, um, you know, more and more businesses are really looking to service providers to help them consume security and technology, you know, as a service. And I think this is a great time to be in the space. You know, people, people expect me to say, you know, yeah, it's a good time to be an MSP. You, you have a slightly different vantage point, maybe not a different view, but you, you've worked with a lot of MSPs over the years. Is it still a good time to be an MSP today? I, I think I think it is. Um, you know what what the, the the research indicates that still you know you're looking at about eighty percent of customers globally are outsourcing security to an MSSP or to a security service provider. Um, so that what hasn't changed, and I know we're going to talk about it, right? It, what hasn't changed is that, you know, end customers can't find security operators. Um, and, and, you know, to that, to that note, they don't want to deal with the technology either. So the MSP community has just grown as a result of, you know, customers of, of, of all verticals and segments want to just go do what their business is about. And they want to be, they want to be strategic around their business and they don't want to be wrapped around the axle on the technology. And so that's where the service provider has obviously been filling, you know, uh, filling the gap either in expertise or allowing for customers to consume technology, just the output of technology as opposed to, you know, the, the sausage making of making the technology actually do what you want it to do from a business perspective. So I think it's a fantastic time to be in this space and a services space. Um, you know, and you look at the market indicators around the world that even during, if we're going into a recession, I guess we are technically in a recession, the services aspect of the, of the, the, uh, the economy is, is still doing really well. And I think that's going to continue to be the case. And I think that, you know, as more and more businesses continue, continue to go down the path of wanting to consume, um, you know, as opposed to produce or, you know, maintain, uh, I think it's just going to be a great, a great place for, for MSS, MSPs and MSSPs, um, you know, into the next 10 years easily. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I think that it's interesting and, and maybe a good segue into the talent discussion, because I know that's something that, that um, Stellar Cyber is very, uh, very invested in is, is solving that talent gap, uh, as, as are we. But the, you know, Netflix and Facebook, right, tech firms are, are shedding jobs and, and, not, and some non-tech firms are shedding jobs. But I, I think that, and there's no, I haven't seen any data that says that the IT departments in those or any company are being um, shuttered, but I think that it only helps to promote the benefit of a managed service provider business model because it's a safer bet. It's easier. It's, 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 I hate to say it, it's easier to fire an MSP, but it also makes them a lot easier and more attractive to work with. Um, that's got to be right. a huge benefit to being an MSP today. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the concept of infrastructure investment is sort of is challenged in a recess in a recessed economy, right? Um, so the investment in infrastructure and things, um, you know, is is replaced by again the desire to consume the outcomes of of the technology as opposed to actually going and doing it themselves. Now, that's not to say that there aren't going to be companies that go and do this stuff themselves that have large IT departments to deal with things, and you know, maybe even some companies out there that are so focused at security that they have large security teams, but uh, for the most part, what we're what we're dealing with is organizations that are leaning down, um, you know, and going into, you know, especially in the private equity funded companies are going into austerity measures mode. So what you're dealing with is you're seeing that business development, you know, sales, um, you know, uh, different aspects of the business that are not absolutely required, uh, you know, are, are being cut back. Um, but the services aspect, the security aspect, those those are, you know, businesses are doubling down on that. So I don't think austerity impacts security um, because, you know, you know, if you're if you're put out of business by a security breach or a ransomware breach or something like that, I mean, that obviously is untenable, regardless of whether it's a recessed economy or not. So uh, I think that services and security are a great place to be right now. Yeah. I, you know, I think back 20 years ago and the, you know, the the shift of Enterprise monitoring management of objects infrastructure was filtering down to the small, medium business. And now I see the same thing. It's already started, but we're in the middle of that filtering down from the enterprise, the, the security practices that are now that need to be filtered down to the even smallest levels of, of business and organization. In your opinion, where are we with that migration or I don't know that filtering down or whatever you want to call it. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. So I, th I think what, what we're seeing and, you know, you hear this over and over again, you hear, you know, industry leaders, um, you know, talking about how businesses are really looking to consume outcomes. Um, so that is causing businesses to look at what can they not have to deal with themselves um, and provide and have a services organization help them convert technology to business outcomes. And so I think that's what's being, you know, winnowed down is is the uh, the unnecessary aspects of supporting technology just for the sake of supporting technology. Businesses are more and more moving towards, you know, wanting to consume outcomes, and that I, I think that is a trend that we're going to continue to see, um, you know, in the in, into the near future. XDR or SASE. <laughs> That's, uh, oh, yeah. I, I hear a lot yeah. about the two, uh, the two hot acronyms, right? Well, yeah. maybe you can explain your your perspective of XDR and then your perspective of SASE because I I, I hear XDR a lot more than I hear SASE, and I and I wonder if people think are, are there overlaps between the two? Are they completely separate? What, what's your what's your kind of take? Yeah, yeah. So I think that that rather than SASE being as hot of an acronym, I think you're seeing ZTNA, like zero trust networking, which is a which is a part of SASE or Secure Service Edge, which is the security aspect, right? Um, so SASE, you know, SASE is you know is SD WAN and security, um, basically, right? And then the zero trust networking environment, CASB, Secure Web Gateway. So basically, dealing with the fact that workers are out there in the world trucking around on mobile devices. Um, and you've got, you know, uh, SaaS is the is the preferred consumption model for software. So that obviously creates some security challenges. So I think that that SASE and Secure Service Edge um, that encompasses a bunch of different technology capabilities is 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 going to be is a nascent technology now. Um, but I think it's going to grow in importance to businesses as they start to get their a better understanding of it. And then that again creates an opportunity for the service provider to come in 
and and make that a lot less complex than it is. I mean, if you look at if you go out and look at SASE and all the different components, it's complex, right? And what MSSPs and service providers, I think, do is 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 reduce the complexity and the technologies that are uh, that are being used by businesses for security. On the XDR side, I think that that is a that is a full throated discussion that's happening out there today around what it is. Um, is it a SIM? You know, is it a SIM plus SOAR? I mean, so there's all this discussion as to what XDR is. And at RSA, I would say XDR, you, you, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without hitting XDR somewhere. It was all over the place, right? Yeah. It was probably the number one topic that we saw in play. Uh, XDR and zero trust networking were probably the most prevalent, um, you know, acronyms that you saw floating around there. Um, so, so for us, we look at XDR as um, the, the, the need for security service organizations to bring together the technologies that are in, in, deployed on, across the attack surface, um, but understand that, that cybersecurity is a data problem. And it's a data problem that is not, not uh, you know, something that a, a human being alone can deal with. You have to use machine learning. You have to use artificial intelligence to leverage um, the, the technologies in such a way to mitigate the kind of attackers and the speed of their, their abilities to get into networks. So what XDR represents to us is a combination of a data, a data lake environment that is bringing in all the data from all the different security telemetry that's out there, um, from firewalls, from endpoints, from cloud, from identity and access management, and making all of that huntable, right? And, and, and in the ability to correlate incidences across all of that. Because what you see now is you see MDR, which is really rooted in endpoint, right? So it's, it, you know, every every endpoint vendor out there is talking about XDR today. But really, if you're an endpoint vendor, you're really an MDR. You know, a partner is using you as a managed a manage detection response play. And that has been a, a result of the, uh, the work from home explosion that was really fueled by the pandemic, right? So the endpoints became the primary attack vector for the bad guys. And it also became the primary focus for the security service organizations that are securing those environments, right? Because firewalls, you know, nobody nobody walks up to the security guard at the, at the bank and tries to take him out. I mean, they're working other ways through. So you don't necessarily see a ton of attacks on hard points. Now, that, that's changing. Um, but, but you know, literally the endpoint was the soft, you know, the soft target, if you will. And so MDR really has been rooted in that. Now, what you're seeing is with EDR vendors and endpoint protection vendors is they're trying to extend into XDR. Um, so they're calling themselves, you know, XDR providers or managed XDR providers. And so what their their approach is what what I re would refer to as native approach, right? A native XDR approach. And you'll see Palo Alto doing that, Fortinet doing that, um, you know, Sentinel One, uh, CrowdStrike, CyberReason, and pretty much every security vendor out there is trying to cash in on the hype cycle at, at its peak right now for XDR, right? The, the Gartner hype cycle has got XDR at the top right now. Yeah. Um, and, and what they're trying to do is capitalize on that. But, but really from a partner's perspective, from a service provider's perspective, the, the way that, that this all shakes out from a business aspect is that if it's native XDR and you're like a, an endpoint vendor that is, you know, creating an XDR solution that they're either managing and going directly at a customer or providing an environment for an MSSP or an MSP to manage, um, it, you're, you're beholden to that technology. You're, 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 you've got a, a vendor lock-in problem, right? What, what that means is that let's say your CrowdStrike, you know, your CrowdStrike shop or a Sentinel One shop, you know, getting getting um, CrowdStrike to want to build an integration in with Sentinel One 
or with Cyber Reason or with other competitors in the space, they're not going to want to do that. They want the they want the partner and the customer to be using their tech. Sure. So so the embrace of the broader security vendor environment becomes a real challenge. And you know, talking to MSSPs, you know, I, I have yet to find a, a single MSSP that says we're one hundred percent this vendor. And and at Fortinet, that's what we wanted. We wanted to have everybody using our stuff all the time, right? We thought that was security fabric. It was a great story. Uh, but no matter how much we talked about that, they would always say, look, I can't do that. You know, I'm coming into a customer environment where they have another vendor in there. They've got Sophos, so they got something else. And and lift and shift or rip and replace is just not it, – it's not going to work for the business model that I'm projecting to the customer in that I'm going to come in and help you with the technology challenges and the security challenges and provide security expertise, uh, you know, over the top of existing technologies that you may have in play. So the native XDR play, I just think, is going to be really challenged um, for anything but MSSPs or service providers that are 100% invested in a single vendor. Mm. And then you just you have to ask yourself, what single vendor is going to have endpoints, firewalls, cloud, identity and access management, and all these things? I can only really think of one vendor out there that actually, you know, speaks to that uh, that concept. But outside of, you know, Fortinet, right, the, the other vendors don't, you know, CrowdStrike doesn't own a firewall company. Palo Alto doesn't own an endpoint company. Yeah. You know, so you, you, the, the native XDR play is challenged. The open XDR concept is that you're able to use any of those technologies that are in play, any endpoint detection and response technology or software that's installed in your customer environment, any firewalls, any cloud aspects, any, any identity and access management tools, you're able to leverage all of that technology that may already be in play, or you may be deploying it as on behalf of the customer, but you can you can now take in all of the data coming from those different vendors, which the, that's the biggest problem, right? Is data ingest is getting all that stuff ingested from all these different security vendors that are speaking different languages, because the data is not the same. So you have to normalize the data. That's a huge challenge, right? So OpenXDR, at least the way that Stellar Cyber does it, is we ingest everything. And then we allow you as a security operations, um, you know, organization to take action across all that, right? To, to, to correlate incidents that you've got Sentinel-1 out there, you've got a CrowdStrike out there. Well, we can correlate incidences across both of those, right? Well, and you've got a firewall in play. You know, to give you an example of a, of a common attack today is, is basically using open ports on the firewall to stand up a VPN into the local area network, right? So where, where you know, that kind of goes against what I was saying about nobody attacks firewalls. Well, actually they do, right? So in this scenario, DNS, right? Yeah, every firewall has open DNS ports, right? So what we're seeing now is we're seeing attackers using that open port to build a VPN through the DNS ports of the firewall to basically just beam themselves into the local area network. And so if you can't see that, if you're not getting telemetry from the firewall that says that, hey, somebody just stood up a VPN on the DNS port, and oh, by the way, they're trying to escalate credentials after attacking the endpoint. If you can't put those together into an incident um, that, that, you can, that you can look at and take action on, then you know that's the challenge, right? That, that, that is what is being done today in a swivel chair met methodology by MSSPs. You know, where they're basically they're going over to the firewall and looking at that and then they'll, they'll swing the chair over to the, the endpoint and I'll go look at that. Nothing's being done to actually bring all of those things together. And, and the SIM tries to bring all that stuff together, but the SIM doesn't allow you to correlate incidences and respond. I think you're seeing more uh, SIM vendors get go down the path of, you know, putting response into what they're doing, but it's still not uh, giving you an ability to um, take in everything have an incident correlation capability across the entirety of the attack surface 
um, you know, and, and leverage the machine learning to be able to um, get to threats quickly and mitigate threats in an automated capacity. So I think that's where XDR creates an enormous opportunity. I said, you know, um, 90% of security buyers out there today, from a customer perspective, 90% of them by 2024 are going to be outsourcing detection and response services as their primary path, right? Interesting. Um, that's a Gartner statistic, right? So, so, so that's that's where the market's headed is detection and response, and it, and it is sort of moving away. I wouldn't say moving away from security asset management because customers still don't want to deal with deployment and management of the technologies. Um, but but what's hot and what preserves margins for a service provider is. You know, you know, I, I, I always use a term that my mentor once taught me is like where there's mystery, there's margin uh, detection and response. There's a lot of mystery to how that happens, how that works from an end customer's perspective. I just want you to take care of it. As soon as something pops up, I just want you to take care of it. Right. That's that's the way they're they're consuming. And I don't I don't want to have like a ransomware threat turn into something that's going to bring my business to a halt. So I just want you to detect it. They want the I want outcome. You to take care of it. You're right. Exactly. Well, yeah, sorry. So I, I could go on for another 45 minutes. On no, that topic, I, so. I appreciate it. I so but but I, I do want to ask you a question. There was a period, I want to say five years where we went from at the beginning of that period, very few MSPs were using password management systems to at the end of that period, well over 50%, probably like more like 70 80% were doing that. Where are we in the MSP adoption of XDR? And it's a hard question, but can you give me a percentage? Like, do you think we're a fair way there? Because I feel like this is a fairly new, like we haven't really been dealing with this until maybe 2019, right? But but the pandemic kind of pushed a lot of things on pause. But do you have an answer to that? You know, it's, it's a tough question to answer because I think if you asked a lot of, of, of MSSPs out there, they'd say they're already doing it. Um, you know, so, so there, and if you, if you break it down, if you break it down by, you know, um, like, okay, am I working to detect across the attack surface, right. From firewalls and everything else, am, am I working to respond and maybe am, am I even using automation to, to respond automatically? Um, a lot of MSSPs could say, yes, I'm doing that. I'm doing that in a manual way, but I'm doing it. So there's nothing in XDR that, that says that you have to have this integrated into such a way where machine learning is looking all, you know, when you look at the way Gartner defines it, there's nothing in there that says that you can't have a human swivel chairing around. So you could say I'm doing XDR today, but I think what most of the, most of the security service providers that are out there in the space today are really what they're calling it is MDR, right? Um, because they're really focused on, you know, on is, the endpoint and, is anyone and the applying red light, green light, light for the rest of the stuff. Is anyone applying a human like today that, that you're coming across and saying that that's good enough? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I, a lot of partners that I talk to, it's a human thing. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a human, it's a human thing. And it's also probably the most, uh, unhappy existence in a job role that is a SOC analyst tier one, that poor guy or gal has the burnout ratio of, you know, it, it's crazy. Like it's it, partners have a real hard time keeping those SOC tier one analysts around because they're dealing with this, a massive amount of data that they're supposed to be looking at and ascertaining where the threats are coming from. And they're petrified that they're going to, they're going to miss something and their customer's going to get, you know, going to get impacted. Right. Um, so that, that human operation is happening today on a daily basis in more MSSPs than I think that would be willing to admit it. <laughs> well, I mean that I, I, I don't, 
I don't not believe you, but I'm, I'm just incredulous that with the technologies that exist, I mean, Stellar Cyber, if if I had a company, an MSP, and I had a bunch, even one person who was stuck there doing that, I would say, I need to get them out of that position, elevate them so that they can understand what a what an, a machine learning AI system can do much faster than any human can do, number one. I, I just... You know, it doesn't. It doesn't stand. This is not ten years ago when we, you know, a sim had to be manned by a, a person. Yeah, those days are done. Yeah, and, and the way that, we, yeah, the way we look at it is is that our technology allows you to promote that SOC tier one analyst to a tier two or tier three that's looking at the threats and attacks out there from a high level security analyst perspective and not dealing with. You know the the brute the, the 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 grunt work, if you will, of of having to figure out what they should be paying attention to. Yeah. Um. And and so yeah, we we see that as the evolution. And and really, what what it, what it does is is what XDR Open XDR does. The end result for an MSSP or a service provider partner is it allows them to make better service margins on a detection and response service offering that they're delivering. Because guess what? The most expensive aspect of a service delivery model is. It's your human yeah. costs, right? Your human beings, right? So not only are they not available with 1.4 million, you know, unfilled cybersecurity positions out there, but it's also 70% of the cost of goods that you're selling as a, in a service. So what OpenXDR is going to create an opportunity for is, is better margins, um, better security efficacy, um, and an increased level of relevance for service providers to their customers because they're providing what the customers are out there looking for, which is a detection and response service that covers everything. So let, let's talk about the human talent aspect, because I, I know it's, you know, I, I know we, we worked, uh, you guys at Seller Cyber have a, a good thing going with Boise State. Um, the, you just talked about the importance of maybe reallocating human resources in your, in your SOC or your network operation centered, whatever you call it, to have them elevated and do higher level things and let the machine learning, the system do more of that grunt work. Where do we stand, in your opinion, on the talent issue pertaining to MSPs today? It, it is a real challenge. And if you think about, if you look at an MSSP, the, the, you know, one of the S's in there is security. So it's a specialized organization, a specialized service delivery organization that focuses on security and delivering security to their customers. Now, MSPs, you know, uh, will, will manage security to an extent, right? They'll do a lot of endpoint managers. We see a lot of MSPs that do that, but they're an IT as a service organization in many scenarios where an MSSP is focused at security and they have a hard time finding people. So the most common, one of the most common conversations I have with partners is, hey, if you hear of a systems engineer or you hear of a SOC tier one analyst, you know, please let me know. I need I need to fill those roles. So so for even specialized security organizations that probably would be the biggest hiring body of, of security operators, they're struggling with it. Um, our enterprise customers that have security operations centers of their own are struggling with it. Right. Um, but if you're focused at security as a business and you still are having a hard time finding people to fill the roles within your security operations center, um, you're, you're speaking to a big dearth in security expertise out there. Um, so as I mentioned, 1.4 million unfilled cybersecurity uh, positions last year, um, and it's not changing. The, the, the challenge is you're seeing more of the academia get around this and start to recognize that cybersecurity is a great career opportunity for kids that are going through college, right? And as they go through college, they can get training around different certifications and everything else, and they can, they can get themselves boned up on all this different technology, 
um, but then getting them out into a usable capacity, just because you've got a network plus and a, a security plus and, you know, a CCDA or, you know, a whatever, you know, whatever security certification, um, you know, you, you think is, is, is relevant doesn't mean that you're going to get a job in a space because they're looking for some experience. Yeah. You know, they're looking for, for, for you to be able to drop in and do stuff. And, you know, many partners are creating internship programs to build those capabilities, right. Where, where they have, you know, you know, people that have some training, but they don't have any operational expertise and those internships create an opportunity for them to build that, but we're just not doing a good enough job in academia or anywhere else. So our talent hub uh, effort with uh, Boise State is really designed to give, uh, you know, cybersecurity focused academics, um, you know, uh, college students access to an operational, you know, job function. Because really what what the Stellar Cyber Open XDR is, is it's it's a sock in a box, if you will. It it puts together a bunch of the the technologies that you need in a security operations center in a single place, in a single dashboard. So when we're training, you know, college students on how to work in an environment, you're basically training them on how to work on all these different technologies that are that are necessary in a sock. And you're giving them operational skills that make them, you know, relevant immediately to an MSSP who needs that tier one operator, right? Needs that tier one SOC analyst role, um, needs those, you know, those, those systems engineering capabilities that could be on the more technical side. Um, but being able to, to, to get some operational experience that adds value to a service delivery organization, um, we're not doing a good enough job around it, but really the talent hub's goal is to, is to do that. We're, we're going to actually be extending the talent, the uh, talent hub to include the veterans program, which we'll be launching in Q4. And there again, we're working to, you know, f- help fill the cybersecurity skills gap with um, training that makes, you know, uh, makes cyber operators available and, and, and useful to a service delivery organization and, you know, and customers as well. And it's with security operations centers. Yeah. So, you know, like what you've it. got, what you've got now, yeah, you've got, you know, you've got 250,000 men and women getting out of the military every year. Um, you know, that's just in North America, right? 15,000 in the UK, probably have 10,000 or so in Australia. Um, so all around the world, the military is training people to use technology to accomplish a mission, to work in, in culturally diverse teams, um, to deal with stressful situations, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, that training, um, you know, native leadership training, those are things that are built into military experience. And so military operators really make a, a fantastic, you know, um, you know, labor pool, I think, uh, from that perspective. And really all they need is to be given an opportunity to, to train on the technology and, and become um, operationally effective on, on, on the technology. And, uh, you know, at Fortinet, we were really we had a, an enormous success with that program. Um, and we're looking to extend that now into into the security operations center here at Stellar Cyber. It reminds me of, you know, the, the, the movie, it was a book, but uh, Moneyball, right? Where they're, where they're trying, they, they lose a couple yeah. of uh, key players and the challenge is how do you recreate those three players when you don't have the money to do it? And I'm wondering, as you were talking, I was right. thinking, man, this is just like that because the, if the MSPs just realize, don't try to replace that tier one sock analyst, develop some, some smart technology, acquire that technology uh, like you guys are promoting and then train people who can analyze it. And that's, I would think a lot easier to train the analysis rather than that layer one stuff, which that was tough work. I mean, I remember 10, 15 years ago talking to big MSSPs who like that, that was, that was like watching, you know, the matrix, right. The, the waterfall of a 
code, right? You had to be really in the zone to do that stuff well. Yeah. 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 Many, many partners are going down the path of growing their own. Um, you know, we've, we've got some great partners out there that, you know, really the mission is to take some of these, um, some, you know, embed some training in some of these operators in the academic and the military space, and then, you know, give them the opportunity to go work in a real world environment in internship programs, um, or in tier one SOC analyst roles. Right. Um, and, and really that gives the, uh, the partner an ability to develop the talent, uh, into their own specific use case, but it gives the veteran or the, the, the college graduate, uh, an opportunity to um, make the first step, right? In, in the military, you know, the military experience is, is they do all these things in the military. They never have to sell themselves, right? They just do a good job in their, in their, in their, um, in their role and they get promoted. Um, whereas in the civilian sector, you have to sell yourself. You have to manage upward. You have to do all these things and they just don't have any, you know, experience in doing that. So for, for them, transition from military experience into the civilian sector is, is scary, I had a Marine tell me, he's like, you know, I wasn't scared of the Taliban, but I'm scared, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm frightened at, at dealing with what am I going to be facing in, in, in transitioning from military service into civilian sector. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a big part of the, of the veterans program is providing the kind of mentorship um, and assistance and support. Obviously the training is big. The, the big consumable is, is, is free training for, for veterans. Um, but, um, but it's also to help them make that transition um, to, uh, you know, to basically speak to other veterans that have made that move, um, and demystify it and, and take some of the fear out of, 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 uh, of that, uh, that process. Well, I think that's a fantastic, I think that's a great source. It, there's a ton that that's a, that's almost an endless, uh, well of resource for MSPs. They're, they're trained, they've got good work ethics, most of them, and they've, and they have an understanding of, you know, they're responsible, uh, personal responsibility, which I think is a really good essential skill for M- working in the MSP space. And it's, it's a great place to source your, your growth. And, and, uh, I, I, I wish you guys all the luck and, and I know we're, we're, we're tracking that very closely. So I, I think you guys are going to hit it out of the park with that one. Um, Steven, we're at the end of our, our time, but if, um, if people want to chat with you, if they want to see what you're up to, see what you guys at Stellar Cyber are doing, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, drop me a line at MSSP at StellarCyber.ai. Oh, that was MSSP cool. at StellarCyber.ai. Well, are you going to Black Hat next week? I will be there. Okay, I figured as much. Yeah, that that that's a uh, that's a that's a bizarre place. If you've never been to, <laughs> that's a vendor. That's a vendor festival there. <laughs> <laughs> So vendors, vendors staring across cubes at each other. You know? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, playing spot the narc and you know all the other fun game, how not to get hacked at Black Black yeah. Hat and all that, all those fun things that you do. But um, well, enjoy yourself yeah. out there, and um, yeah, let, let let's uh, let's stay in closer touch. Welcome back to the program anytime. It, it was good catching up with you, and um, yeah, keep up the good work at Stellar Cyber because this is um, this is really good. It's important stuff. It it really is. Right on. Well, thank you, Charles. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on. Anytime. Uh, Stephen Talent from Stellar Cyber. Go check them out. And uh, they got some great technology and they're doing a lot of good for the MSP market and their downstream customers. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.